uh, financial stewardship. We looked at government programs and uh, other things like that, good credit scores, how to use credit cards in your favor. You know, God doesn't mind us talking about money. Jesus talked a lot about money. Paul talked a lot about money. There's, there's a lot of verses about money in the Bible because money has a big, is a big factor in your life and where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also, right? So if God wants your heart, you might have to go through your wallet to get there for some. For some, don't care a lot about money, and that's okay, but some do. Uh, then we had Michael Raymond here. He shared on investing, uh, looking forward to the future, investing for retirement, RRAs, Roth RRAs, 401Ks, Social Security, all that kind of stuff. Looking ahead, even if you can put only a little bit away a month or a week, is you're going to be better off than if you just hope it all works out and just don't make a plan. I think you can make a plan. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Then last week, we looked at the power of our words. Our confession is a factor of our prosperity. All right, life and death in the power of your tongue, and those who love it eat the fruit thereof. It's not only what you pray, it's what you say, right? It's not just what you pray, it's what you say. God hears every word we say, and I showed four or five different examples in scriptures, in the scripture, of how God said, I'll deal with you according to what I heard you say. So watch what you say. If you want to hear that one, you can hear it on SoundCloud, iTunes, or get a, a CD copy in the back. But today, I want to talk to you about giving. You know, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament talk a lot about giving. And before I go right into it, I want to just say ahead of time, I think sometimes that the message has been presented like the prosperity gospel, and it's been presented in such a way that that, that message has been so offensive that we take that like, I don't want to have anything to do with that because they've gone too far and it's offensive to some. But when they've done that, what they've done is actually took a, a, a kingdom principle of the gospel there's only one gospel. There's no prosperity gospel. There's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, his provision for all man, for all things. He provided for spirit, soul, and body. So, but they take it and throw that over here. When they did, they threw away the blessings that God wants us to receive through giving. It's, a bless, it's more blessed to give than to receive. All right? And, but God also wants us to receive. Amen? So we've got to be careful not to throw away out the, the baby with the bathwater because someone said something we didn't like. There's truth in the, the prosperity message, if you want to say. What do you want to say? The Bible says, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. There's, there's lots of verses that I showed you over the last few weeks. But one of the reasons uh, God wants us to be givers is because he's a giver. He's generous. He's a very generous God. For God so loved you, he gave Jesus. The very best thing that he could possibly give, he gave Jesus to you. And if we want to be like Jesus, we, want to, we need to be givers, okay? So um, uh, in the very beginning of this series, some of you that were here might remember, I, I said, what is the balance in this prosperity message? I do believe God wants us blessed. I believe the balance is this. I heard God say, the balance is in obedience. Some copy what others do because it worked for them, or it sounded like a good idea. So they copy without truly being led by the, by the Lord. This is laziness and presumption on their part, not faith. The one who heard me and obeyed was blessed. The one who, that copied what someone else did was frustrated and offended. So all the prosperity promises are yes and amen, but they are activated by faith and obedience. Uh, the only balance to this message is obedience, not copying what someone else did. For example, Ananias and Sapphira, right? Uh, they copied what everyone else was doing. Then they lied about what they, how much they sold the house for, and we know what happened to them. That was the end of their story. So um, Paul talked a lot about giving. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he talked, there's almost the whole two chapters about giving. He talked to, the, talked to the church in Corinth about 
how they had made a financial pledge to the church in Jerusalem, and he's coming soon, so make sure you have your pledge ready. Then he said, uh, I've been bragging to the... Uh, I'm bragging already to the Macedonians about how generous you guys are, so don't disappoint me. No pressure there, right? He said, the Macedonians were generous. I told them that you guys will be even more generous or just as generous. And I'm coming in a few weeks. I'm coming to collect that money to bring it back to Jerusalem, so be ready. Like you, see this, you can see this in 2 Corinthians 9.4. It says, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Now, I don't really want to use those kind of tactics with you guys. <laughs> it seems like a little bit of manipulation tactic there, a little bit like make sure you are ready because I'm coming. But uh, that's a lot of pressure. So, but, but he gave them enough warning. So uh, then he goes on in, in verse 6. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as, his heart, as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of, this, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm just going to stop there for just a minute. Sometimes when we're, we hear people taking up offerings, they can really uh, pour on the guilt trip and pour on it heavy. We're not to give under compulsion. We're not to give because someone's twisting your arm or presenting the need, like if you don't give, this person's going to die or just making this really huge thing. We need to give as you're led by the Spirit of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God not by guilt or fear or manipulation, okay? Uh, so it says don't give grudgingly, but it says also the one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And uh, you might wonder, wonder how far that verse will go. How far, how far will God stand on that word? Well, how far are you going to dare test it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, up to, it's each one. Each one has to decide in your own heart. Right? If you want the teaspoon, you can use a teaspoon. You want the dump truck, you can use the dump truck. But it's how you sow, how you're going to reap. Because God's not going to be mocked, amen? It shouldn't make you afraid. It should empower you. It's like, wow, look at what God's offering me here. Look at what he's saying here. The only, the only difference people hear this message, I think, where it gets twisted is, is the heart. Some can hear this message and say, oh, God wants me to give. He wants me to sow into people's life or sow into the ministry, sow into this. And they hear it like, all right, and when I do give, God's going to give back to me. But then other people hear it and say, all right, well, I'm going to give because God's going to give back to me, but they do it in a, now I'm going to give just to get back. There's a slight difference there. The difference is the heart. Someone's doing that agreed, and someone else is doing that because they love the Lord. Okay? But, you got, so, but each one has to judge in your own heart. All right, I'm not telling you to give out of greed. But I'm telling you, when you give, the Bible promises over and over and over again, I'm going to show it to you, that he's going to give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and many other scriptures. Let me read this next verse to you here. Uh, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace, say all grace, abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, if you study this out, guys, I don't want to spiritualize it. He is talking about money. For two chapters, he's been talking about money. He's uh, the whole time, okay? So we can't spiritualize it now and say whatever. He, there's a grace that you can come upon your life, a grace for receiving, and there's a grace for giving. Amen? There is a grace. So um, Paul goes on to say here uh, in, in Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we all know that verse on Steph Curry's shoes and other things, you know. 
But do you know the context of that is giving? It's, it's in giving. He, 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 goes, uh, he said that he, um, he knew what it was to have a little, and he knew what it was to have a lot, or uh, to be struggling, and he knew what it has to have, have an abundance. He learned how to abound in every situation. Then he gives thanks for this generous gift that they gave them, gave them. And then he goes on to say, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Again, he was talking about money that whole time. Not that it can't apply in other areas of your life, but in context of it, he was talking about money. And the one who sows into that is the one who qualifies for the bounding. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But it has to be you're led by the Spirit. It's not like the stock market. You're going to put... like whatever down here and expect a return. We don't know when the return is going to come, and it doesn't always come back in just money. It comes back in the blessing in your children's lives. It comes back in protection sometimes. It comes back in health. It comes back in many different ways that you can't always measure. But I tell you this, you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. But when you try to, <laughs> when you try to, you're, you're, you're becoming like God. You're acting like your father, okay? Um, again, Paul connected God's supply with our giving. Three times in 10 verses, he connects uh, some form of return back for our giving. In uh, Philippians uh, 4.15, it says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, not, uh, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So it's not just giving, but it's giving and receiving. Okay? God wants to give things back to you. Is that okay? Now, if you adjust your heart right, so it's not you're not given to get, you're not given out of fear, you're not given out of greed, you're given out of love and obedience, God will bless you. Press down, shaken together, and run over. Well, he'll cause men to pour good things into your life. All right? Verse 17, same chapter. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Not that I need this gift. He was going to be giving this gift to somebody else anyway. But he wants something to be credited to your account that wasn't there before. And that credit to your account is going to come through your giving. And if you sowed sparingly, you, it's going to be a sparingly. It's, that's how it works. It's kingdoms. It's principles of the kingdom. Amen. And then 419, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So three times he, he shows if you give, you're, you're tapping into God's grace into this abundant supply for your needs. Now, how many of you can say today you, you've been tithing? You've been giving for a long time, and you can say today you know that, that those verses, personally, you know that, that that is true. Amen? You know it. I just sometimes like, wow, God, I didn't see that one coming. Because sometimes you, you, you figure this tithe or offering, at least my brain works that way sometimes. I try not to, but just it has a, I have a tough time shutting the switch off sometimes. And it's thinking like, well, I can see this return coming back through this avenue or through that avenue, or maybe you have come, something happened here down the road or whatever, and all of a sudden this one comes out of left field like, whoa. I didn't see that coming, God. And those kind of blessings, just they knock you over in, in a way just touching your heart like, wow, God, we don't have to know. You don't have to know how the return is going to come, but we need to know that when you give, you can't outgive God. Okay? So um, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It says, As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, in your love for God, See that you abound in this grace also. And the grace he's talking about there is the grace of giving. If you go back and look at it, there's a grace for giving. People, uh, you talk about grace, people think of the forgiveness of sins, and of course that is, is part of it, but 
grace is something that's it's hard to put an actual title to or just definitions to because it's it's so abundant it's so big it's it's just huge it is forgiveness of sins but it's so much more than that it's god's empowering grace to do what you couldn't do before you were lost now you're found now there's a grace to do stuff you couldn't do before chris valentin tells a story i love this story he was uh doing a, a prophetic uh, ministry in bethel the reading church where valerie is and uh, he was ministering there, and he was prophesying over some people, and this lady came up to the front, and he prophesied over her and said, um, God has given you a grace right now to, to lead worship and to write worship songs. You're going to be on a worship team, and, and, and God's going to really use you by this gifting he's given you. He goes, she laughs. She goes, oh, you must be thinking of my husband. She goes, I'm absolutely tone deaf. I, I couldn't. That caused me for me. You just be, must be getting your bars crossed and mixed up with my husband. He's on the worship team already. Yeah, he's really talented. He goes, no, I don't have my wires crossed, and you need to get in faith right now if you want to receive this. He said, when I release this word, I know it's God. He said, if you receive that by faith, there's a special grace that will come on your life to empower you to do what you couldn't do before. And she was like, oh, she wasn't expecting him to say that. She was kind of just half joking. She goes home the next morning. She wakes up, and she's singing, and she's not tone deaf anymore. And she's writing songs, and it makes you know she's on the worship team, and God's enabling grace deposited something in her that she couldn't do before because his spirit came upon upon her. That's part of the grace of God too, right? It's grace to defeat sin, grace to destroy temptation, grace to do a lot of different things, right? But there's a grace that can come on your life to give. To give. God loves a cheerful, generous giver. He loves that. Why? Because you're acting just like your father. He has no fear of poverty. He has no fear of lack or running out. And he doesn't want you to have that either because he's like, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches, <laughs> which I have a lot of, in Christ Jesus. I'm going to supply for you. I'm going to provide. But you've got to trust me. And you tap into the grace of receiving when you tap into the grace of giving. Because some people, they think, you know, I can't give because, you know, when you give, you're going to have less. But when, with God's kingdom and his economy, when you give, you get more. It doesn't make sense, but he doesn't want it to make sense. It's called faith. It's the currency of heaven is faith, not intellectualism, not logical stuff and trying to mathematically figure it all out. It's faith. And when you hear God speak to you, you want to you say, oh, man, honey, I know God just speak to me. Can you get an agreement prayer of this? He told us to give this. He told you to give what? I'm telling you, sometimes if your offering doesn't touch your heart, I wonder if it's going to touch God's heart. You know, the thing that I'm getting way off my notes, but who cares? I'll, I'll catch up later. You remember the poor widow that gave the two mites, right? She gave everything she had to live on. And all the other people were giving out of their wealth, and it probably didn't affect their lives at all. They were going to go home, still had the same livelihood, everything's going on. She gave everything she had. It was, there was nothing left. And Jesus was watching what was being put in the offering plate, not something we would want, you guys want me to do. Like, what's Joe putting in there? <laughs> this week, well, what's Debbie doing? And he, was, he was sitting somewhere. He was literally watching them put stuff in the offering. He said, that lady there told the disciples she gave more than everybody. She gave everything she had to live on, okay? So her obedience, now is that something everyone should do? No. But somehow she was led by the Spirit of God to do it, and she stepped out in faith, and when she did, the Bible doesn't say, but I don't think that lady starved to death. I don't think she died at the end of that day. Jesus sat there and watched her give that money. And if, if, if uh, that money would have saved her, Jesus would have said, no, 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 don't be foolish. Don't put that money in the offering plate. Don't do that. You need to hoard on to that money. You hold on to that, that two cents, that half a penny or so. Hold on to that, and it's going to take care of your needs. And he didn't say that. He knew that when she gave into the kingdom, 
She's giving into the grace. She's uh, receiving the grace of giving. She's also received the grace of receiving, and God's going to provide all her needs and take care of her. So Jesus sat there and watched her and applauded what she did, not telling her to hold back and not give. Give it all. I'll take care of you. Or the man, the rich young ruler. You know, he told him to give everything he had. You think he would have went broke later? What kind of harvest would that guy have had? But he couldn't because he loved money more than he loved people and more than he loved God. Okay? All right, now let me catch up to where I was. So uh, I'll give you a quick definition for grace. There's a, there's a bunch of them. I want to mention this one. Uh, Barry Bennett says this from Carriage. You got Carriage Bible College. You guys probably heard this. But grace is God's provision for man's every need, spirit, soul, and body. It's for every need. That's God's grace. For God so loved the world, he gave. And uh, he's, he's still a giver. Um, I want to share with you some stories from the Bible of some uh, ex- extreme giving, okay? We're going to look at uh, 1 Kings 7. That sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zephrah of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zephrah. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for, my, for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, right about then, I'll be thinking, God, I think you sent me to the wrong widow. I don't think she's the right one. She's got one meal left, and she's going to eat that, and her and her kid are both going to die after that. I think I'm at the wrong place. And, uh, but that's not, that's not what he did. Can you imagine in the papers today if a prophet did that uh, at a poor person's house? They'd be like, greedy prophet asked for poor widow's last meal. I mean, it's the same thing. The, 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 the lady with the, the two mites put in the offering plate. It's the same thing Jesus watched them do. He's, he's going to sow into the kingdom, and then she's going to get provided for. Okay, so let's see. This one does show you what happened. Verse 13, Elijah said here, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make some for yourself and your son. Now, if God told me to say that to this poor lady, I would have a difficult time saying that, wouldn't you? Like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, she's going to die, and now you brought me to her, I'm probably going to die too. <laughs> what am I going to eat? And uh, the poor kid's going to die, uh, but he said it. He said, this is what God said. You give it to me first. That'd be hard to say. I mean, no matter how gifted and anointed you are as a prophet, that'd be difficult to say to her. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and a jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now what happened? She gave her not enough into the kingdom, and God took her not enough and made it more than enough. And she went for months, possibly years. We know that, that famine, that rain was three and a half years long. We don't know when Elijah got there. That, that part could have been reproducing new flour every day and new oil in the jug every day, possibly for three, three and a half years. <laughs> Just like, is there any more left? Oh, it's gone. Wake up in the morning. Hey, it's there again. Every day. And all she gave was one last meal one meal, and she supplied for it for three, three and a half years. I'm telling you, we need to sow into the kingdom. 
you're sowing into the king and his kingdom, he's going to give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that's not the prosperity gospel. That is the gospel of the Jesus Christ, our Lord, our provider. There is no prosperity gospel. It is God so loved the world he gave, and he wants to give to his kids. God who gave the abundant provision of grace and what the gift of righteousness. He's a giver. Okay? No good thing that he'll hold for you that walk uprightly. So it says the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. That is awesome. There's other stories like that in the Bible too, but I want to see those stories today. Why not? I know uh, they, they've seen him with uh, Heidi Baker's ministry. They ran out of Bibles given out. And next thing you know, God was duplicating Bibles. They just kept pulling another one out of the box, another one out of the box, another one out of the box. And the funny thing was, the only thing different was the first hundred or so they gave out had the, the church stamp in the front of it who donated the church, who donated the Bibles. And then the next ones that were God was creating didn't have the stamp of what church it was. He just was, but they were, the rest was exactly the same. Same color, same everything. Or the food, they're scooping rice to feed the kids. And they just and she's starting to get skimpy on her scooping because she's seeing how long the line is. And God's told her to dig deep. There's plenty. So she scoops deeper. And uh, she feeds all of them. They had some left over. Think about the kid, five loaves and two fish. There's 20-something thousand people. Imagine going, see the Charlotte Hornets play. And you're down there, and Jesus is the main center stage, the, like a concert or something. And he tells everybody to sit down in their groups. And he's going to feed everybody with a happy meal. <laughs> it's just this little bit of food. And he gets five loaves and two fish, and he gives it to God. He thanks God for this little bit. Now, if we had that little bit, we'd be like, oh, man, I don't have enough. What am I going to do? I don't have enough. Jesus doesn't look at the lack. He looks at the supply. And he takes it and goes, oh, this is more than enough. I mean, I don't even need five. I don't even need two fish. I don't, one and one would be enough, but... Thank you, Lord, for your abundant provision. And he caused it to multiply. They rip it and tear it and pass it, and they all eat. And, you, you know, we have a fellowship meal coming up soon. And we know from our fellowship meal there's rarely leftovers. I mean, sometimes there is, but people are going back for seconds. They're pigging out, right? And they know they did then, too, right? They're eating. Who knows how many days it's been since they were, had, had a meal. He fed them all. They had 12 basketfuls left over. That boy's meal was enough for him only. It wasn't enough for even him and a couple other people, but it fed 20,000 people or so. And 12 basketfuls left over. Now, is that in the, in the Bible for our benefit or not? I'm telling you, God will supply your needs, but you have to tap into the grace of giving so you can tap into that grace of receiving. There's a grace for it. There's an anointing for it. God, God looks on it, sees what they did in faith, and he will honor it. Amen? And don't worry, I'm not taking up a second offering, okay? We did it already. But if you want to, if you want to, even while I'm preaching, they're right over there. Go up and put something. If God tells you to, I'm not telling you to, but if God tells you to, do it. Amen? It's going to the kingdom. I mean, signs follow the preaching of the word. I mean, I don't know who needs some extra basketfuls left over, but I mean, basketfuls left over is better than basketfuls that are em baskets that are empty. All right? So I'm just, I'll just tell you that again. If you feel the Lord prompt you, don't do it for show. God, I'll, I'll probably, I might gag, I'm telling you. I'll, I'll be able to tell the difference. I'll have to just try to keep preaching not be distracted. But do not do it for show. But if God speaks to you and says, you need to go up there and put that two pennies in or the $10 in or $5 in or whatever, and you did it before, go ahead and do it. But I'm not passing them again, just so you know. I'm not nippling. I'm just telling you. It's those are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You can be led by the Spirit of God. You don't have to be led by manipulation. Okay, another story. Um, I mentioned this one earlier. 
And it was the, it was the widow and her mite. So I'm going to jump down to some more modern-day stories. And uh, when I was in Tampa, like around three years ago, Mom and I went to a conference in Tampa. And there was a, lady, a pastor lady there named Debbie uh, Rester. And she was telling this story about many years ago, she was in, uh, in Ukraine preaching. And it was, a, it was a church, about 1,400 people, pretty large church, but they were very poor. None of the staff had been paid. Uh, they, they were, most of their income came from garden, their gardens and like selling bubble gum and things like that. They were very poor. And she started preaching this message on the generosity of God and giving into the kingdom. And uh, you, when you give to God, he gives back to you. And just, she's talking about the, the lady who took her alabaster box and she broke it open, her most valuable possession that she owned. And she took it and broke it open on Jesus' feet and washed his feet and then dried it with her hair. Can you imagine seeing that? Wow, that would be, what a moment. Like, look at what that lady's doing. The most valuable thing she has, and then her precious hair, and then wiping his feet with her hair. So she's sharing this story. Next thing you know, the Holy Spirit starts moving on people in the room to give. And people start running home to their house and getting their, their most treasured possessions. And they're very, very poor. Some people are given a fork. Some people put a spoon or a knife in the iron plate. Some people put a piece of bubble gum or some person, some person put a tulip and things like that in there. And it was just, I don't know if it was ever any money, just put whoever was most important to them, the best they had. And this one lady walked up to Debbie and she said, uh, uh, through a translator, I want to give you this locket. Uh, this, was my, this was my grandmother's, and in the, in the locket was a picture of her grandmother, and she received it from her mother, and she was planning on giving it to her daughter. But she, this is my most precious possession, and the locket was cracked, and it, it wasn't, you know, real gold or anything, but it was just precious to her. And uh, in her heart, she's like, I can't. Debbie was saying in her heart, I can't take this from her. I can't take this. That's just her. What am I going to do with it anyway? I have lots of jewelry. I don't need it. Uh, and she was about to say, you know, just keep it. Uh, and that's okay, just keep it. God knows your heart, and it's okay. And that, right before she said that, God spoke to her and said, do you believe what you preach or not? She's trying to give her alabaster box, her most precious possession to you, because she wants to tap into the grace of giving, so she can tap into the grace of receiving, that don't you dare not receive that from her. You take it. And so humbly, she took it, even though she didn't want to, but obeyed God and took it. And as soon as she took it, that lady, lady fell out in the spirit, just boom, just fell on the ground. And she's like, well, I wonder what happened. I don't know. So she went home, and then about uh, later, she heard testimonies from the pastor of that church. He said, you will not believe what happened to our church after you were here. We were all, we were in debt. No one had been paid. Now everyone's been paid. We planted 10 churches. This was in a year's time. They planted 10 churches all the way down towards the Black Sea. One of those churches had about 600 people in it. And so she went back about a, le- a year later to start preaching in some of these churches, and this lady walked up to her and said, uh, do you remember me? She said, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. I meet so many people. She goes, I was the lady who gave you my broken locket. She goes, oh, yeah. She goes, I do remember you. And she goes, what, what you don't know is when I gave you that locket and I fell on the ground, I had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And as soon as I gave you that and I fell out, I was instantly totally healed. Great. I'm telling you, you don't know. You're giving. Your miracle might be on the side of your giving. It's really on the other side of your obedience, whatever that looks like. So then uh, she said also... Now, I used to sell bubblegum for a living. She goes, now I have my own business, and many people in this church work for me. <laughs> I don't know how God did that. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Somehow he deposited some kind of grace into her to lead and to, to, to be a leader and to have her own business, and that's just absolutely amazing. Amen? I got another story from uh, Arkansas. Uh, Debbie, the same pastor Debbie, was preaching in Arkansas, and uh, this church was really struggling financially. They didn't have any extra money for the youth or any kind of building or upgrades. Or just, they just were really struggling week to week trying to pay the bills. 
And she came in, and her big thing is, is she preaches on offerings. And probably not every time, but she does it a lot because she has an anointing to teach on that. And when she does, she sees things unlocked in people's lives, usually through their giving. <laughs> not always to her, but just giving in general. So she's preaching on this and uh, the first, first night, and she, she actually has had to start sending a letter ahead of time to the pastors to tell them, this is what I'm going to be talking about, and this has to be okay with you or I can't come because I don't want you to shut me down halfway through. So she preaches the first night there, and the pastor's like, and you could hear a pin drop. Like this church was stingy. They were tight. They're not used to giving. That's why they didn't have any money. That's why they didn't have any money for the youth or money for anything. They, they were tight-fisted. They're hoarding, and hoarding doesn't work. It doesn't work. The Bible says you can hoard. It's not going to work. It's giving that the, uh, you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. He's going to give back to you. So uh, as she's, uh, the lady and the pastor met the next day after she, she preached that first message. He's like, are you going to talk on offering like every, every night this week when you speak? And he, she's like, yes, I told you that in the letter I sent you. And he's like, oh, I guess I didn't really read that. I just saw your letter and I signed it and mailed it back to you. I didn't really read it. And she's like, okay, well, that's what God has me to do. And he goes, well, I, I, I didn't know what you are going to share, but I know this morning God told me whatever you came here to do to let her loose, let you loose. So that he goes, I'm going to sit back and you just go for it tonight. So that night she's preaching. She's talking about the alabaster box again and pour, breaking that open on the feet of Jesus. And next thing you know, around the room, people wanted to give all over the room, started spontaneously coming to the altar. And people are like dumping out their purses on the altar and, makeup and nylons and hairbrushes and just all gum and just whatever just dumping all out there and people uh, the pastor left uh, the room and uh, they're like she's like oh no he's offended but he he wasn't he went back to his office he had a, a professional set of golf clubs he he uh, gave golf lessons on the side he had been a pro and he went and laid those uh, golf clubs on the altar and the whole church started crying because they knew how much he loved golf and then a young guy had been saving up money for a guitar for several years. He went and took that guitar and laid it on the altar to give it to the Lord. Just one after another after another. This went on for hours. Spontaneous giving. It was a grace for giving release. Do you think it was a grace for giving in Acts? When they're selling their houses and giving to the needs of the community so there was no need? I think there was a grace for giving there too. So uh, this went on for several hours. And then uh, this lady stands up and goes, God just told you to give you my car. And this lady starts crying and crying. Another lady over here says, God just told me that I'm supposed to give you my car. And it was just, it just was, it was going wild. It was, it was awesome. So uh, on uh, the, ne the next Monday after this weekend pass was over, uh, the pastor calls her and says, I have to tell you the testimonies of my church since you were here. He said, uh, on, on Monday morning, I went into my, my office first thing on Monday morning. I opened the door, went to my office, and there was a note on my desk saying, I want you to go to the golf uh, golf house and pick out whatever clubs you want they're already paid for better than he had before uh, someone else went out and bought a young man a brand new and much better guitar that guy had saved for years for and gave him a much better guitar another lady from a different church was led by the Holy Spirit to uh, go to go buy a binoculars I forgot to say that this kid had given binoculars but this lady from another church felt led to go to that church on a weekday and said I don't know why but I, God told me to go get the best pair of binoculars I can buy and bring them to this church and give them to the pastor, and you'll know who they're supposed to go to. And he goes, I know exactly where they're supposed to go. And uh, another thing, uh, five men got saved that they've been praying for for years. They kind of, the, the men that only came Christmas and Easter. And uh, the, the pastor had the altar call, and all five of those men came forward to receive Christ. And he started interviewing them and said, what led you to come to church today, or what led you to come up and give your life to Christ? He said, the first guy says, uh, my wife came home really late. 
uh, Saturday night, and uh, she was crying. I was already asleep, and I heard her crying, and it woke me up. And I said, "Honey, what's wrong? What's going on?" And he said, uh, "He said, um, I gave away my car tonight." He goes, "Your new car? You just got that? You love that car?" He goes, "I do love that car, but I love Jesus more." And man, the, the Holy Spirit just hit him, and he said, "The God that caused you to give away your new car is the God I need to be serving." And he went to church that son the next day, got saved, gave his life to Jesus, and then. Uh, all five of those men, each of them had a very similar testimony that something their wife gave or something that happened in that service the night before opened their heart in the spirit for them to get born again. Amen. Our miracle you're hoping for might be on the other side of your generosity, the other side of your giving. Again, not manipulating, but you can be led by God and you can trust him when you sow into the kingdom. He's going to see it. He's going to remember it. And he's going to cause that seed to grow and be multiplied unto you. He said he multiplies, he gives bread, uh, seed to sow, and uh, bread for the uh, sower, and seed to sow, you know what I mean. And then it causes the seed to multiply unto you after you sow it. Amen? All right, so um, God did not create giving for his sake. He created it for your sake. Amen? He knew you'd need it. So this is not an issue of money as much as it is an issue of your heart. Are you going to trust God? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God doesn't want to be second place to anybody or anything. Amen.